be at work in us as we come to your word we submit ourselves to your authority that's in it and direct us now in Jesus name amen <clears throat> all right we are in a sermon series of Galatians and this is our second one and so if you didn't catch last week's, so if you want to go back and, and listen to that, it gives you a bit of a groundwork of what this letter is all about. But I'll give you a bit of a quick review summary. We've heard that, that Paul, in this letter to these churches in Galatia, in this area, which is now Turkey, is he's kind of upset. He's kind of ticked. And what's, what's been going on since he has left the area and so I, I told you this illustration, if you were a builder of a house and you laid the foundation and you built this place and, and then someone else after you left came in and they, they completely repurposed it, redesigned it and, and how Paul, or in this case, if you'd go back as the, the builder and say, yeah, this is not what I intended, this is not what is, what is right uh, as far as this, this building. Uh, another illustration would be if, if you were a parent and you had children and you sent them away to, send them away. <laughs> you were working, you gave them, you didn't give them away or send them away. This sounds really bad. You take them to daycare as you have to work or you get them to school. And in that, after you have laid this foundation of what your family values are and what are some of the core things that you want your children to know and you share with them these things and, and you know, you, you prepare them for, for going to school and you tell them that your family are Edmonton Oilers fans. And that's the way it is. But then one day they come home from school wearing Calgary Flames paraphernalia. And you're going, I'm going to talk to that teacher. What is going on? And so uh, obviously that's kind of in jest. Um, but sometimes when you're as a parent, you 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 teach your children and then they go to school and they learn something different and and change of their values and this is this is paul really talking to this church saying as a as a spiritual parent as a spiritual father to these his children that he has he has taught them the gospel and then as he's left and these others who have come in and have distorted the gospel and so he's He's more upset than maybe you would be if your kid came home wearing Flames jersey. I know some of you are Flames fans. It's okay. It's all right. It's acceptable here as well. But on top of this, as Paul is, is kind of ticked about what's happening in these churches, contrary to the gospel, these accusers, as we say, these Judaizers who were, were Jews, they accepted the gospel of Jesus, but then they, they said, it, that's not enough. We need to add the law. They need to become Jews. They need to be circumcised. They need to follow the, the dietary, the kosher laws, and they need to come under it with the calendar of all these things. They need to become Jews. And Paul says, that, that, is, that is wrong. That is, that is a distortion. It's a false gospel. And on top of that, they're, they're accusing Paul. And they're saying of Paul that he is not a legit apostle. And so that he has heard this from, from others, this gospel that he has been teaching, and he's got it wrong. He's been misled. Or that he is just trying to, to please people. So, in other words, this is what he said in verse 10. He says, I'm not, if I'm just trying to please people, I'm not a servant of God. 
And so they're accusing him of just being a people pleaser. So in other words, when, when you say you can accept Jesus by faith, and this is the gospel that he preached, the gospel of grace, but he was making it easy for them. Because he says, no, you're telling them that they don't have to be circumcised. You're telling them that they don't have to obey all these other things and come under the law. And, and he was saying, but that's not the gospel. The gospel that is in, in Jesus. He wasn't trying to please people. That is the gospel. And so we come to verse 11 today. We're going to look at verse 11 to 24. So if you have your Bibles or your scripture journal, you can turn there now. Galatians 1. And we'll read verse 11 to 24. <clears throat> For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, otherwise known as Peter. Cephas is his Aramaic name. Talked about names last week. And remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it, said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Verse 24, And they glorified God because of me. All right, so this morning, we have this, we've read this testimony of the Apostle Paul, and I simply want to point out a couple things. What is one thing specifically unique about Paul and what is, is generally true, it's not like we would say, yeah, that's kind of like generally true, but general in specifics, general as far as contrary to um, the, what the, the general principles of truth that are true of all of us as general, I said that all wrong. You know what? You get the idea. What is generally for all of us, that's what I mean, and what is unique for Paul. We'll get on to it. Here we go. All right. So first of all, what is true of Paul that is not true of us. Okay, so Paul shares a bit of his autobiography here, how his, his story. This is his story. It's not ours. So we often speak of things that are descriptive and prescriptive. We use this quite a bit when we come to Scripture. How do we interpret something and how do we apply it to our lives? So what is descriptive is something that's happening in the context of the day. And it's just describing. It's describing what happened. And a lot of this happened in the early church days. And, and this context of what's happening here uh, in these churches of Galatia, it, it, you know, it, Paul is, is describing this scenario. He's describing his testimony, his something that he went through, how he received the gospel. 
And so then there are things that are prescriptive, and that is something that is for us today. How do we seek to apply that uh, to our lives? And so this is a descriptive passage. This is something how Paul, in his religious zeal, had terrorized the early church believers in Jesus and how he had encountered Jesus, and he did a serious 180, right? But beyond his personal testimony of coming to faith, he makes a big claim. He says this. He says that he received independent, direct revelation from Christ. He didn't get it from anybody. Got it directly from Jesus. Now, what the apostles, the the 12 men who walked with Jesus, received was directly from the source. From Jesus himself. What they witnessed and what they learned from the time where Jesus was baptized by John through the resurrection, this was person to person or Messiah to person, direct source. To be a, a capital A apostle, okay, so there's, there's this is a little bit of a distinction because we see in, a, in Ephesians where Paul is describing the gifts for edifying the church, he talks of some would be apostles, but that's like a small a apostle. That's, that's a, a gift of, of being an apostle, but it's, it's not the office of being one of the apostles. There's a distinction. And so to be this capital A apostle was to have witnessed the resurrected Christ and to be commissioned by him directly. And so part of Paul's apostolic ministry was specifically going to the non-Jews, but also writing a significant amount of Scripture as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so listen, this is really important for us to understand. The words of Paul written down for us today as we have it in this book and others that he wrote, along with other of the apostles who wrote things down for us, are divinely inspired and authoritative for us today. And so as a capital A apostle, Paul is a clear representative of Jesus himself. His words, the very words of God. And so this is something that no one else, none of us, can claim. Now, you might have, you might have a vision or a dream. You might have a prophetic word. But no one can say, thus saith the Lord with something that contradicts the inspired, written word of God. That's true of Paul and the other apostles. It's not something we can claim. All right, so then we get into this. What's true of Paul that is true of us, of every believer? And so today on this Thanksgiving Sunday, I would say this, too, is that these are very clear reasons for us to be thankful. All right, so first of all this, in Christ... We have a former life. We have a former life. This is what Paul says. He says, you have heard of my former life. I want you just to take a moment, circle that in your journal or underline it or in your Bible. A former life. You've heard of my former life. See, you weren't born a Christian. When you heard about Jesus and the good news of the gospel, that he died for you to save you from your sins... And he rose victoriously conquering death. And then he offered you eternal life. When you received this by faith, you said yes. And you surrendered your life to him. And I'll say this. If you're here and if you haven't done that, then consider this an invitation today. 
And as you hear the gospel, the message of truth that's found in Jesus, that you can turn to him and respond in faith. But your story, if you have come to faith in Jesus, you'd say, I am a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of, of Jesus, then this is what by faith you did. It probably didn't look like Paul's story. You know, you maybe weren't, you were maybe walking down the road and boom, <laughs> there is Jesus. And this led to a 180 in, in your life. Your, your story might be dramatic. And I know I've heard some of your testimonies. And some of you probably got to this, the bottom of a barrel. The end of the, end of the line, end of yourself. And there was only one way, only one thing that you could do and just cry out to God and, and turn to Jesus. That might be your story. But for many of us, it's been a journey. And probably more like the Apostle Peter than the Apostle Paul. It's hard to, sometimes to, to pin down exactly where the Apostle Peter fully surrendered to Jesus. There was ups and downs. There was moments of, of clarity. And then moments of complete stupidity. <laughs> Peter, right? It was a journey of discovering Jesus. Someone shared their testimony this summer at camp. They said that coming to Jesus for them was like a sunrise. Growing brighter and warmer day after day. That's a beautiful picture, right? There's, there's darkness and then, then there's this beginning the glow of the sun coming over the horizon. Breaking into the darkness and growing. Maybe that's a picture that you could claim as far as, yeah, that's sort of my, my testimony of how I came to a place of giving my life to Jesus. Scripture tells us that there is a B.C. life before Christ. What should be evidenced as, as change, there should be an evidence of transformation in our lives. Jesus should make a difference. It should be noticeable. 1 Corinthians 5, 17, familiar verse, but it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Colossians 3, 7, again, the Apostle Paul says, You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. There was a former life. Ephesians 4, 21 and 24 says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is a former manner of life. And so... Your life in Christ has been and is being transformed. And so I want to invite you audibly, verbally, to say thank you, God, for that in your life. Go ahead. Come on, church. Yeah, thank you. You have a former life before Christ. 
Secondly, in Christ, you've been set apart before you were born for God's purposes. This was true of Paul, and it's true of us, of every believer. Paul says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So he uses very uh, incredible words here that you might also want to underline. He says, you were, he was set apart before he was born. He was called by grace and that God was, was, was pleased to reveal the son to him. And this is true of us, set apart, called by grace. You imagine the, the patience of God in this, dealing with a guy like, like Saul, Paul. Here's a guy that God has known in his, in his wisdom and his foreknowledge that he's a guy that is going to have a very clear, distinct purpose in sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. That he's going to be one who will write down the very words of God for us and for people all time. And here's Saul running around, chasing down Christians to, to put in prison or kill. God knows this. He knows exactly what Saul, Paul, is going to be and do. He set him apart before he was born for that purpose. And Saul is just completely misdirected in his zeal patience of God. Do you know that he had that patience for you and for me? I don't know what you were doing in your BC life, you know, your before Christ life. And maybe even, even today, God is continuing even in his call on your life that he's, he's set you apart for his purposes and maybe you're not living according to it at all. He's patient with you. He's patient with us. And then it says that he was pleased to reveal his son. Do you know what brings the father joy and delight is just revealing Jesus to people. Now, I, I get pictures sometimes in my head of, of, of things and, you know, it just, it's me. But I see the father watching this whole scenario unfold. Saul, kind of just, I get this picture of Saul, you know, enraged about what's happening. And he's, he's on the road to Damascus, and he's thinking, he's strategizing. He's like, how am I going to take down these Christians? How am I going to break up this, this sect of people that is, you know, living contrary to the law, that everything that he knows? And he's just like seething mad. And then, boom, it's like Jesus in front of him. He encounters the resurrected Jesus. And he just like crumbles to the ground. I just picture the father looking over this with pleasure. Because that's what he says. He says he was pleased to reveal his son. And, and the father is just like, oh, just so excited. He's just so full of joy because this guy who's been set apart from birth for this particular purpose is now going to see this complete transformation because he's encountering Jesus. And he's just thinking, man, I got something different for you, buddy. This is going to rock your world. Do you think about that in your faith, faith story? That God the Father was, was so pleased, so overjoyed 
to reveal Jesus to you. It brings him pleasure. And so in that, we also can say, thank you, Jesus. Could you say that verbally, maybe with a little more enthusiasm than you did last time? That, that God the Father was pleased to reveal Jesus to you. If he has, and you've experienced that, would you say, thank you, Jesus, today? All right. See, Paul's testimony, it echoes the Old Testament prophets in his specific calling. We see this in Jeremiah. We see this in Isaiah. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, God says this to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Isaiah 49 verse 5, the Lord says this, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant. This, this is the words to Isaiah. Formed in the womb for the purpose of God to be his servant. King David in the Psalms writes this in the familiar passage in 139, Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I don't know about you, but I think, man, that's got to be a pretty big book. All the days were ordained of your life. They were written in, in his book before one day came to be. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul connects all believers through all time with the, this common blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, hear this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. He's blessed us in Jesus with this blessing. And he says, before the foundations of the world, like it was even before you were like conceived, you were born. I mean, God had a plan. He had set you apart. But this is saying, before the foundations of the world, he chose us. So, I'm pretty big on this. You hear me say this a lot, but I think it's pretty important to know that your life in Christ has purpose. You got a purpose. You're not going to get a, a capital A apostolic commissioning. You're not. But God knew you before you were born. He called you by his grace and he set you apart for his purposes. So hear this kind of real quick. Some of you here might have a very clear, very real understanding of your purpose from God. You, you just know it. If someone were to ask you, what is your purpose? What have you been set apart by God to do? You would, you would have, it would be crystal clear. 
you know that you're, you're here on this planet. Maybe it's to work with youth. Maybe it's to serve the hungry and the homeless. Maybe you've been set apart to serve people and bring health and wholeness in the medical field. Maybe you've been called by God to, to care for God's creation in the environment. Maybe you know that your purpose is to raise godly children. Perhaps you know your purpose is to be a light in the business community or the education system. Some of you right now might be experiencing a, a nudging, a, a call to a vocational ministry to be a, a pastor or a missionary. Do you know that pastors are really honestly dropping like flies right now? Who's going to step up? Missionaries are feeling exhausted. And the next generation needs to come up and, and take some places. But some of you have a call on your life and you know that and you're working that out right now. For some of you, it's just, it's clear or it's becoming clear every day. Others of you here have, have absolutely no idea. Like you just, I don't know. I just don't know. You have no clue what God's purpose for your life might be. So I want to give you briefly four things. This could be like a, a whole series, a whole seminar, or it could be anything, but this is just the brief things. First thing, what do you got to do? First step is you have to surrender. First step is always surrender. So you, you, can't, you can't do what you fully want to do and say, yeah, I'm just going to allow God to use me in that. And I have a purpose for my life, and I'm just going to say that that is God's. Because it doesn't work that way. You come to Christ, you surrender yourself. And so as you have done that, then you also have to surrender your plans and your purposes to come under God. Now, in this surrender, you're not persecuting the church like Saul, but you might be running in a direction diametrically opposed to God's purpose and plan for your life right now. You might be. Or you might just be out of alignment. Hear this again, that God is patient with us. But maybe in this season, this is a season of your life where you fully surrender to God. And you say, God, I want to know your purpose. I want to get up in the morning and I want to have a delicious cup of coffee, if you're a coffee drinker. But then I want to be about it. And I want to get after it. I want to be about what you want me to be doing. Because if you just continue in doing what you're doing, time goes by quickly. And perish the thought that you would end up at the end of your days, and you don't know when that's going to be. But where you say, I, I really don't know if I accomplished the purposes of God or submitted myself to his his purpose in my life would be a tragedy. You don't want that. So surrender. Say, God, I, my life is yours. I'm going to be your servant. Don't know what it's going to look like. Don't know where you're going to take me. But I surrender. Then number two, you start asking God. What is it that you desire of my life? And ask him to show you. And we're not talking about things that are going to necessarily be world-changing things. But in your day-to-day -day life, God, if you have a purpose for me, I want to fulfill it. 
I want to be about it. So you ask, what is it that you desire of my life? Third, look at how God has wired you. Paul was, was zealous for the wrong thing for a long time, but God redirected that zeal. God has, has gifted you. He's given you the personality that you have, the skills that you have, things that you enjoy. Those things could be for a purpose. I'm still trying to figure out a little bit of how watching the NFL is going to accomplish God's purpose. But there's got to be something there, you know. <laughs> but no, there's things that you enjoy maybe that are just for your enjoyment. But perhaps there's things that you have an affinity towards that, that God's going to stir in your heart and say, how could I use this? Or how could God use this in my life for his purpose? How might you start recognizing God's purpose in the things that he's already given you? Because he hasn't just left you empty-handed. Fourth in, in, in this is to ask other people. It's wonderful to have a church, a community of people around you, whether it's in your life group, people you serve alongside with, people that you get to know or others even outside of this church that know you or your family. Someone to come alongside and you, you ask them and say, what, what do you see in my life that, that could be God moving me in a direction to accomplish his purpose? So seek out godly people to pray for you. To ask good questions, hard questions. Ask them to affirm things in your life and be truthful with you in what they say. Because they might look at you and, and you might be saying, man, I, I just know that this is my purpose and this is what I'm going to be about. And they might, in love, say, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> Because they know you, and they're godly, and they're discerning, and those are the people that you want. And you want them to tell you the truth. So that's some beginning steps. All right. Third and finally, in, in, your, in Christ, your transformed and purposeful life will bring glory to God. That's what we see at the end of this passage in verse 24. This was the fruit of Paul's ministry. They didn't, they didn't know where this guy kind of came from in these churches. They had heard these things. They said, I heard that this guy who once hated the church, that was persecuting the church, is now proclaiming the gospel that he was trying to stop. That's what they heard. And it says, and they glorified God because of me. The words of Jesus in Matthew, echo this. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what will happen when you live out a transformed life. There's evidence of what was former and what is now new creation living. And what is purpose as you live that out, the end result is that God's glorified in it all. The gospel of grace is one that each of us as believers has received. The same Jesus who the Father was pleased to reveal to Saul has been revealed to you and to me. It's for us to receive, it's for us to share, and it's always for his glory. So we say today, thank you. Thank you, Jesus.